This is Anabaptist Perspectives. Welcome back to another episode of Anabaptist Perspectives. We're here again with Roseanne and Vince talking about academia, faith, and how it affects our worldview. Uh, so we're taking questions from and, and comments from the last time uh, that we had done this, Vince. And uh, here's one from John, and he says this. I think he's quoting, or, or this is a prayer or something he's saying. He said, Thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have concealed these things from the sophisticated and educated and revealed them to ordinary folks. Yes, Father, I thank you that it pleased you to do this. My Father has handed everything over to me, indeed, no one fully knows the Son except the Father, and no one fully knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son wishes to reveal to him. And I'm assuming this is in the context of the last episode, that again, that we did with you, Vince, uh, last season about higher education, and um, it seems like a bit of a jab at the sophisticated, the educated, and how God reveals things to just ordinary folk. Can you respond to this? I know it's not really a question... Um, but what do you think he's getting at here? What's some underlying assumptions? What, what's things we can glean from this? Yeah, I, I feel like to say anything positive for education, you open yourself up to attack. And so I'm feeling that and I'm fine with it, but I feel like I can't quite be understood either. Because for instance, in this one, I, I don't disagree with what he says. Um, what, what he says is completely fine, um, but I don't know what's going on behind what he says. I, I think we need to be careful. Because um, this verse, for instance, is often the parade example for why anti-intellectual positions are somehow superior. So it's honestly, it's a different sort of superiority. It's like, okay, so you, we know that God, that you've hidden things from, from the wise and given it to us, the foolish. So therefore, we know better. That, that's how I can feel. Um, and I, I don't think that, that quite works for me either. I can tell you firsthand that educated people can be very full of themselves. And and for that reason, can be particularly blinded. But, and this is, I think, what shocked me growing up in the sort of worldview um, that would have said these exact sorts of things, caution, 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 you know, because God gives things, he resists the proud, he gives grace to the humble. And so, therefore, he reveals things to those who don't know very much or something. Um, I've actually encountered more pride, I think, from Mennonites, especially when they've had enough money laid by to think that now they somehow understand how the world works. In other words, not the one who's struggling to get from paycheck to paycheck. He would kind of be looked down on that he just doesn't quite have life together, that that's how, how poorly he's doing life. You know, he's got his four, five, six kids, and he can barely make ends meet. But once he's got enough money and he's got, an, he's got a rental house, he's got, he, he knows how the world works now. And I would say I've encountered more pride. There's very humble people there, too, but I've encountered more pride and more I know, I know how this is. Um, I know what God's about than I would have from, from academics. Um, I've had met some very humble ones, and that really surprised me. And I think maybe what made me as okay with education is what I was, because I realized, oh, they don't have to be proud. That isn't even necessarily what it's about. It's a field of study like any other. Um, it's it's not we're not trying to be superior here. It can be, but that doesn't mean that's necessarily so. Roseanne, how would you respond to to this? Again, it feels like a flavor of a worldview that maybe we're a bit familiar with. And yeah, what what has been your experience? I guess that, yeah, I wasn't sure how to interpret this comment either. In response to what Vince has been saying, I, I sort of was thinking along those same lines. I think those of us who have had an opportunity to spend more years studying need to remember that we stand on the shoulders of those who've gone before us, 
who have made it possible for us to live a prosperous life and, and have these sorts of opportunities in the same way those who have been able to become wealthy and prosperous without an education also need to remember that they stand on the shoulders of those who've made that possible for them. So I think either way, there's a Bible verse that speaks about what do you have that you weren't given? I, th I think it, it behooves people on both sides to remember. Mm -hmm. So how would you, going off of this comment, you know, respond to someone who takes that worldview of the verse that says, you know, God keeps the thing from the wise, gives it to the, uh, yeah, however the verse goes exactly, but what this person is referring to here. Yeah, how would you interpret that verse? What's some proper responses to that? I think you guys are really digging into some good things here as far as like, it's so easy to get prideful about from from these, you know, kinds of kinds of perspectives. But yeah, how, how would you respond to those those views? I think there's also a verse that talks about the wisdom of man being foolishness to God or God's foolishness being greater than man's wisdom. I can't do any better than that. Our wisdom isn't as great as we think some days. Yeah, because some people would have said, I've heard people hint at this at least, like, oh, well, you know, the, the wisdom of man is just foolishness to God. So therefore, there's no point in really pursuing higher education. Is that, oh. yeah, like I, I've, I've, you know, I've, I've heard people have that, that opinion or, or something very similar. How do we handle, handle that, uh, that perspective? I guess I was thinking more along the lines of if, if God gives things to the foolish, it probably includes us all. <laughs> I um, like that. I also find it interesting to observe how people who don't place a lot of value on education do sometimes benefit greatly from the services of a doctor or a lawyer or someone who, who has spent a lot of time studying, and they seem to be okay with that. Hmm. Yeah. Vince, what do you think? I mean, it's like anything else. Um, I think we love to do things that are creative in some sense. If work was simply something where we pushed a button you know, a thousand times a day and then went home and that was our job, we pushed that button all day without thinking, we would go insane. No matter what job I've done, I've noticed how people try to either do the job better, try to do more of it, um, try to expand it. They try to grow something. They're always trying to change something, trying to improve it. I mean, that's how we do with our life. That's how we do with Christian life. And um, that's how we do, I think. And I think we should do that in all areas within psychically, psychologically healthy um, um, parameters. But, but we need to do that in all things. And, and our brain is one of those things that we can't just say, well, you know, that's a non-starter. Um, because I, I struggle with that for a while because it's like, well, okay, if I'm going to serve God, therefore I must do it without any pride on my part. That seemed to be very clear to me at age 20. And so I endeavored to find something that basically I didn't want to do because the only way I could be sure that I was actually serving God is if I did what I didn't want to do, right? And I realized, and I talked to people and my parents, et cetera, it's like, no, that's not the way the world works either. You should find something you enjoy and work in that field. Um, and that, and God uses that, and that's completely fine. You don't need to be, apologize for doing something you enjoy. Um, but the thing you do need to do is repent of pride where it shows up and then walk with God in that. And then that seems to make more sense to me, um, not try to be more spiritual than God and realize that he gives you gifts and you can work in them, um, but you don't need to... Um, just be off the bat some sort of anti-intellectual and, and say that's the the way and this is the line we aren't going to cross because that's not the way 
any other part of our life works. So I don't think it should work here either. Yeah, that's helpful. Um, okay, I'll go on to this next question or comment um, from Quinton, uh, who says this, in the Anabaptist worldview, we value community above almost everything else. We are often reluctant to discuss controversial Bible passages for fear of disrupting our sense of community. In the academic world, on the other hand, promoting, debating, and defending your own controversial uh, views is an essential skill. It is a cultural difference that can be more significant than we realize, and compromise can look like a good way to maintain our, parentheses, false sense of community. I remember as a 20-year-old at a Quaker university how uncomfortable I was when a professor would challenge conservative Christian views. Now, with a couple more decades of experience, I understand I can't expect community with everyone. Yeah, wow. What do you, what do you all think of that? What what has been your perspective on on what Quentin is is getting at here? I like the thing of agreement, and I, I I agree. For community, you need to be able to agree, or even agree to disagree at a certain level, and just simply go along with it. Um, and and I've had some people, Mennonites, get rather annoyed at me on that point. Um, you know, well, this person is toxic, or this person is this. I don't care if they are. Um, I, I don't see how that changes anything. Um, you're supposed to work with them and walk with them and turn the other cheek. That's how it works. But at the same time, you can overdo that that, that approach as well. Um, and, and, and at the end of the day, there is, does need to be some sort of personal grounding. What I'm really arguing for is some sort of of some sort of golden mean in, in all this. You know, again, I, I think I think that's a, a big thing for me um, to where you need to hear other people and you need to allow them to speak to you. But at the same time, um, not be carried away too far in one direction or the other. Yeah. Roseanne, what do you, what do you think from your experience, these two different viewpoints that Quentin is getting at here when it comes to community and, and things like that? I guess I was thinking of it more from a cultural perspective, perhaps because that's one of my current studies. I am a student as well as a professor right now. Um, norms of dialogue and debate differ considerably in my church community and in my professional community. He's talking about norms for, you know, for expressing your opinions and so on. And I would say there is a cultural difference in the two worlds in, in what the norms are, how you communicate, how you, uh, one of the differences is in high context versus low context communication. I grew up in a community where some things were understood. They didn't need to be communicated clearly all the time. Everyone understood how discussion communication worked. I now work in a more low-context culture where you have to put it out there as it is in order you know, for people to understand it. The other thing was power difference. In the community where I grew up, uh, authority was highly valued, and there was a gap between authority and people who were not in authority, and there were rules about relating. I'm in a, a lower power difference culture now. My students call me by my first name and they say things to me I would have never said to my elders. And so there, there's, there's huge um, differences. And I think what I personally do, navigating back and forth, is something in language we call code switching. I take on the norm of the group in which I am as best I am able. Now, I'm certain people in both of my worlds would see the influence of the other world on me, but I, there, there is a, a difference in the rules, in how you communicate and how you be respectful and how you, you know, sort of all that kind of thing. 
it took me a long time to grow into that and to become semi-comfortable in, in different cultures of communication. Mm-hmm. That is, that's interesting. That's an interesting uh, perspective. Um, yeah, I, I can see how that, though, back to some of what Quentin is getting at here, how that could be a real challenge for someone, especially the, when you initially face that, those, those stark just cultural differences alone, besides all the other things we've been talking about. Seems like a seems like that could be a real challenge. Okay, uh, on to Bethany has a, a bit of a longer comment here, and I'd like to break this one down. And this is what she says. My university experience challenged my faith, but ultimately made it stronger. I never felt overt antagonism from professors. In general, as a head covering, long skirt wearing Anabaptist female, I only felt respect from them. My crisis of faith came instead from classmates who would inquire as to why I dressed the way I did. When I based my response on scripture, they would ask how I knew the Bible is true. And that is what required me to dig deeper. Education stretched me, challenged my thinking in many ways, and has probably influenced me to view the world differently than many others in our circles. Uh, One of the most powerful things in helping me keep my faith was having people within our churches that I could be honest with about my questions and who weren't threatened in the slightest by them. Because they were not scared or shaken by my questions, it helped me to have more confidence in our beliefs as well. And she goes on to say, it was challenging to know how to respond to the respect a woman's voice is given in an academic setting versus in our church setting. Kind of going back to what you were saying, Roseanne, as far as cultural differences um, in academia, as well as how to interact with homosexual friends and classmates and how to respond to things preached over the pulpit in church that simply weren't accurate scientifically, which I'd love to hear her dig into that a bit more. Uh, Sometimes I cringe at the idea of bringing friends to my church to visit because of some of these issues. Wow. So there's a lot that she's putting out there. Um, Maybe the first one I'd love to hear from both of you on is the responses of your professors and and fellow classmates when they found out your convictions as Anabaptist people. What was that like? Because I think sometimes we get this sense that they're just really secular and would be very offended at, at our belief system or something. But what, what has been y'all's um, encounters there and, and some of those cultural things as, as well? What was that like? I'm going to suggest that as a visible minority, my experience is very different, I'm sure, from males who walk this path. People look at me and have a set of assumptions in their minds about what I believe. Sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong. It's not a surprise to them, though. As soon as they see me, there's a recognition that this person probably has different values and beliefs. Has that been a significant challenge or or were people pretty open to that? Okay with that questioning? You know, what, what was that like? I would say it has probably shifted some over the decades. I am a Canadian. We have all people of all kinds of cultures surrounding us all the time. We're a very multicultural society, maybe a little less so in my younger years, but in general, I just assume that they're going to treat me like everybody else, and generally they do. Vince, what's, what's it been like for you? I, I know you've studied both here in America and now you're currently in, in the UK. Yeah, how, how's, how's, it, how's it worked for you? Well, I mean, and it's not fair, Roseanne, because I was thinking what my wife always says. Um, for me, it's a piece of cake. She says, you look like everybody else. What's the problem? And really, the only thing different, differentiating me, they're like, oh, you're married? You know, there's no ring. I always have to feel the need to point out that, hey, I'm married. I'm not trying to 
be some kind of stupid guy, you know, don't have a ring on, but I am married, you know, I actually, anyhow. So I always feel like I need to clarify that at some point. But um, no, people are very nice. And I've had respect from professors. And on top of that, you know, what I do in Hebrew, there are a lot of Jewish people doing this as well. And some of them are quite conservative, you know, kippah wearing, um, tzitzit, the, uh, you know, the, the, the ribbon things, a cord, whatever you want to call it, the fringes of the garment. So when I say that, you know, I'm from, my grandparents from both sides were Amish and they spoke Pennsylvania Dutch and I'll, I'll rattle off a phrase or two and I can speak it. And um, it's kind of like Yiddish. They like that. Um, so it's not, it's not a, um, it's not a bad thing. Um, and I haven't, haven't felt less than, I, I think the only difference is that I feel that, you know, with parents, I didn't grow up in an educated, highly educated context. And so I'm having to learn things as I go. Um, but that's a case for a lot of blue collar background people that isn't just Mennonites. So it's it's not been a big deal for me and it's really not fair because um, people like Luzanne um, know what that's like and I don't. Wow. that Yeah, that's, that's really interesting because like there is sometimes this sense that academia can be extremely hostile to the Christian worldview. And, and I'm assuming maybe in some cases that that is, but back to what uh, Bethany was saying here, people in general having respect for, for her convictions, but then those challenging moments where people are, start asking you questions, what do you believe? Why, why do you do that? And maybe not even doing it in a malicious way at all. They're just genuinely curious. Oh, you're different. I, can, can you explain that to me? How has that been? Has, have y'all found that, oh, it made you step back and I've never had to think about that. I've never had to explain that to someone. You know, it, has that been a, a fairly common experience for you? It does come up. Um, the questions are as varied as the people who ask them. But I would have to say I probably get less questions now than I did as a student, again, because of the invisible power difference. What do you mean by invisible power difference? Well, I mean, just the fact that I am the one holding the grades. Oh, right. Students vary how they speak to me as opposed to another student, because, right? Because right. you're the professor. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. What's it been like for you, Vince? And and I'm curious, too, have you noticed any difference in, in these things, your uh, education in the United States, but then also in the UK? Did you notice any differences in the types of questions people asked when they found out what you believed and, and that, or or has that not happened? Not really. I mean, I haven't noticed any any different. I, I think if there is anything I've noticed, it's that if you go to school with other Christians, there's a fair bit of judgment because, you know, we're, we tend to be people just if they, they judge most harshly the people that are almost like themselves, um, whereas people that are of a complete different category, well, they can just be what they are. You know, we might not. They're, they're other. But but you're of my category and you aren't like this. So that, therefore, it's problematic. Um, and, and Christians can be that way. Like um, I did my undergrad at a Christian school and it was, I didn't quite like it. I, I found um, a lot more um, freedom and acceptance uh, when I was with Jewish students um, where I did my master's at, at Rutgers and um, Cambridge. It's, it's a blend of more or less secular people, Jewish people, and a um, number of evangelical Christians, I mean, evangelical broadly construed, but um, in Cambridge, at least they're less judgmental they're like oh cool there's another christian here and then they don't ask as many are you of this category this category thing like we might in the u.s so that they tend to be more accepting so i, I think the bigger bigger issue is christians in the u.s um, when you go to school can be um 
a bit more, they'll have a lot of thoughts. Yeah. This is some really interesting stuff because again, back to what Bethany was getting at, you know, the, the challenging aspects of, of some of those cultural differences between, you know, church life, the communities we're a part of, and then what you experience in academia and the friends and colleagues you have there and how those relationships work. Yeah. That strikes me as a bit complex and, and could be hard to navigate sometimes as a closing comment from each of you, if there were someone watching this, say, that's getting into academia and is starting to have to navigate those challenges, what's some advice you would give them? Again, when it comes to those differences, just fundamentally that, that happen between the world of academia and how our churches operate with the sense of community, et cetera. Yeah. What's some things that you found that, that are helpful in that? Bethany commented on how helpful it was to have people in her community to talk to people who didn't feel threatened by her questions. And I, I think that is a very valuable resource. It's not available to all students, but where it is available, I think that's really helpful, more so than any single piece of advice. If someone has um, a resource person or persons that they can just sort of talk with and bounce things off and work through things. Vince, anything you'd like to add? I agree with Bethany. Um, I, I think there's sort of an, I call it unintentional alienation that happens. So, and this isn't unique to academia. This is really in all areas of life. So if you do the same job, you have the same experiences, you go to the same places, the same VS, whatever, Bible schools, whatnot. Um, you have basically the same sort of situation as everybody else. And you talk about all those different things. Uh, but then you take the one person in the church decides to do what Roseanne does, and suddenly you have alienation of some sort. Why? Because she's doing things that no one else does. So how is she going to talk about that with other people in her church? Now, I don't know your church. Maybe your church isn't like that. But just as an example. Um, and, and so that's, I think, the biggest thing you need to know is that it isn't that you're better. It isn't that they're dumb. It's just that you're doing something that other people haven't done in your community. And therefore, you need to prepare for that and figure out how can I choose to stay engaged in my community or how, how can I um, interact with this in a healthy way. Um, and, and of course, it's the same for anyone else. I mean, I don't know, some, what's, what's something people might do that's a bit unusual? Some, a Christian stand-up comedian. I don't know. Um, something, just something that no one else is doing, right? It's doing it in the best possible way, whatever. Um, it, you, you have a sense of alienation because you're different. And, and, and how do you engage with that is, is really the key. So it's not the thing, it's how you engage with it. And having people you can talk to is super important. I think I would add to that, what I have found is if, if I am the one who has stepped out to do something different, if that's the word you want to use, then I probably also need to do the reaching out to keep the connections with my community. Hmm. That's a really good point because there could be this sense you're doing something different. Why, why is nobody engaging me? Why do I feel isolated? Maybe it takes a little extra effort if you've chosen a different path, like you were saying, Vince. Because, yeah, there are some things like that, that people do things, have a different career, say, in the church than what's normal. And that can be a challenge. Yeah. Well, thanks to both of you for uh, 
sharing your input and experiences with us. I feel like I learned a lot. And uh, hopefully for those of you that left comments or sent us emails, uh, hopefully this was helpful to you. We love to hear from you, the audience. Uh, so feel free to uh, leave a comment, send us an email. And as always, you can find all our content over on our website at anabaptistperspectives.org. Thanks so much for watching. For more information about Anabaptist Perspectives, to read our blog, to donate, and to see videos of the conversations you hear on this podcast, visit anabaptistperspectives.org. We'd love to hear from our audience, so leave your feedback in the comments for this podcast or send us a message through our Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Anabaptist Perspectives. Thank you for joining us for this episode. We invite you to join our monthly partner program. Monthly partners are key to the financial sustainability of Anabaptist Perspectives. Partners also gain access to bonus content, including our exclusive podcast where we respond to audience questions and comments. Sign up at anabaptistperspectives.org.